Hi, I'm Ray. And I'm Saren. We're your Spider Baby hosts from To Know Her Is To Fear Her, a Spider Woman podcast, as well as proud members of The Collective. You're listening to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Happy listening. Welcome back to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And as you were able to see from the title of the episode, this is one of our supplemental episodes, which means that, yes, once again, I fell victim to the dreaded deadline doom. So we have a little fill-in, continuing on with our coverage of uh, appearances of death in the Marvel Universe. And as I said last time, I am not going to be alone doing these anymore because that is just too much of a pain for me to do. So this time I went over and did some hunting over at the Fire and Water Network, and I dragged over Ryan Daly. How you doing, Ryan? Hi, Al. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, you know, when you were, I had you hogtied, really had no choice. <laughs> yeah, very much. <laughs> so this time we are talking about appearances death in Amazing Adult Fantasy number nine, which, yes, if you're used to it being called Amazing Fantasy. It is the same series that would eventually be retitled Amazing Fantasy, and with issue, with issue 15, give us that little-known character, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> something like that. I, I prefer Amazing Adult Fantasy because it gives you that little immaturist <laughs> feeling, like the same thing when you get when you see Giant-Sized Man-Thing. Yes. It's still one of those things where it's like, of course they knew what they were doing when they published that. It also helps that this issue, the cover story, is the terror of Tim Booba. <laughs> Although, a real quick thing, I don't know, did you, have you ever read any of this series besides, well, the Spider-Man issue and this one, or no? I haven't, no, actually. I, I, I read this one and another story from, from this issue, but that's, that's my limited exposure to the yeah. series. Now, it's been a couple of years since I read the whole thing, but I, it's since pretty much all of it's on Marvel Unlimited, I read it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It pretty much reads as Lee and Dicko doing, ver- mostly Dicko, probably, doing Vertigo like 30 years ago or 30 yeah. years earlier. Yeah, actually, I was I was surprised in just the, the few stories that I read. I did not get the usual Stan Lee Silver Age Marvel voice, the sort of inherent bombacity, or you know that it's that's that's so omnipresent with his style. I mean, it, it really reads. I mean, you you definitely see that Ditko is taking the reins and, and Lee's just sort of lettering and, and penciling over. But I mean, these this the story that we're talking about in particular. I would have pegged it as a House of Mystery, House of Secrets st- story from DC uh, of like a similar age or like 50s, early 60s or something like that. It just didn't necessarily feel like that same Marvel, you know, kind of house style. So, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, even like the way the, the book's laid out, like the, the title page showing like each story in order, like use like a chapter page. And then the way they do the, uh, 
the splash pages for each one, they're much more somber and like thought provoking pages than, you know, here's a crazy thing that happens. How does that, how do they, our heroes get out of this one? Exactly. Yeah. If anyone has Marvel, especially if you have Marvel Unlimited and you've never dipped your toes, especially if like you're not a big fan of Silver Age, give this one a try, even just a story or two. It's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting one. Yeah, it definitely reads differently than everything else that you would might associate with these creators. But, yes. Yeah. And one other thing, since we're just talking about the issue itself, I was looking up some information. I just want to make sure I was, had the creators right and everything, but I knew it was Lee and Dicko, but I just wanted to double-check, make sure I wasn't just assuming. According to comics.org, there is an ad on the end of the issue for a new series coming out called Fantastic Four. Huh, so that's kind of it. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. It is, yeah. All right, well, give us a second to give you a quick synopsis, and then Ryan and I will get into The Man Who Captured Death. Afternoon, everybody. Ryan! How's that baby treating you, Mr. Daly? Like Thanos, snapping his fingers at my bank account. In that case, how about a beer on the house? Sure, gotta give my mouth something to do between podcasts. Say, Ryan, I don't get how you have so much time for podcasting. Doesn't your wife want you spending time with the baby? Would you? <laughs> Truth is, I think she's a little worried about how much time I'm spending with the kid, ever since his first words were Dagobah system. <laughs> now she wants me to go out and do something mature, something productive, and most of all, something lucrative that can support the family. So you're going to... Podcast about cheers, yeah. <laughs> That kid's not going to start college for 18 years. I got time. (laughs) Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Network. The Man Who Captured Death. Writer, Stan Lee. Artist, Steve Ditko. Colors, Stan Goldberg. Letters, Artie Simic. Editor, Stan Lee. Cover art by Steve Ditko, Stan Goldberg, and Artie Semek. Cover dated February 1962. On sale date November 2nd, 1961. Cover price was 12 cents. You can find this story reprinted in Damon No. 45, a 1969 Dutch reprint, Astonishing Tales No. 21 from 1973, Leantendu No. 15, a 1979 French reprint, the Amazing Fantasy Omnibus from 2007, and Creepy Worlds number 33, a UK reprint. Not really sure the year was, but it's probably either 1976 or 1977. You can also find it digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. An old man builds a machine to freeze death in his tracks, since he is unwilling to go when he has so much left to accomplish. With death removed from the picture, the earth becomes a shambles. Insects and microbes do not die and the sick and injured gain no release from their suffering. The old man realizes how selfish he has been, and switches the machine off, joining death willingly. That was it. It's a quick synopsis, but it's a quick story. I mean, it's, what, five pages, and one of them's a splash, so... Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Let's just do the basic part first. I like it. Um, I like it a little better than when Jim Shooter would redo it in, like, 25 years for Secret Wars 2, number 6. <laughs> I think that's the right issue. It, it is a, I mean, it, 
it is a story that has been done before, done other times. But I mean, just to to have Steve Ditko do it and to to throw his spin on it, um, yeah, it's it's a fun story. It's it's really good. I just the two of them working together. I mean, I can always take more Lee and Ditko together. And yeah, just for like a fun, like again, like I just, I breezed through this and I was just thinking, I was like, and maybe it's because, you know, I just, I I used to do a show called Midnight, the podcasting hour on the Fire and Water Network. So I was very, I immersed myself for a couple of years in a lot of those DC horror anthology titles, like uh, Tales of the Unexpected and, and Secrets of Sinister House, things like that. So getting into a story like this felt very of a piece. It kind of like felt like slipping on a warm shoe. But to have the, the, those Marvel creators doing it was just like a little interesting touch. But yeah, it's fun. Yeah, because we're used to like the Marvel monster titles. Mm-hmm. That they had beforehand. If you read any, of the, if anyone ever read any of those, which is basically just giant monster comes to Earth and somehow some scientist, somebody beats them in some smart way, right? And these are definitely a lot different than that. And there is an art to doing these short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have to do this whole beginning, middle, end, make you care, make you right. empathize, or at least to be invested in four pages. Right, and and basically, uh, almost always throw on one of those sort of O. Henry endings where you know the, there's a twist or there's some kind of shocker. At, at least the protagonist, you know, what he thinks he wants isn't what he wants, and there's there's the twist and the reveal, which becomes basically the driving plot of it. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly what happens here. He thinks he does not want to die, but the thing is, it's just that it's not. It's well, I mean, he didn't want to stop death; he just wanted to stop his own death, really. Right, right. Now, I mean, getting into some of the the real intricate details here of the, I guess it's page two, it's the first story page, that first panel, do you think maybe somebody in the bullpen challenged Stan Lee to see how many times he could use the word old in a single panel? (laughs) In a lonely old laboratory in an lonely old house since a lonely old man with lonely old thoughts. Isn't fair. There's so much more I want to do, but I'm old, so very old. There's six olds, six wow. olds in one panel. <laughs> this was the day that Stanley could not find where he put his put his yeah thesaurus. Yeah, so he he really wants to know this guy is just about to die, and, and what other way to do it? So yeah, he's old, and yet look at his arms. That man is a bit ripped still. It's like it's, old Popeye. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got if some, he, he became a scientist. <laughs> He's definitely got some life in him, yeah. I'm looking at that going, I wish I looked that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice in the fact that the guy learns the lesson, even though it's not that he got his wish. It wasn't that he, like I said, it wasn't that he wanted to stop death from everything. He just didn't want to stop his own death. But in stopping all of death, it gave him the respect, I guess, or the uh, understanding of the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny to have in a comic considering how many how much of it is about comics especially marvel and dc are about bringing characters back to life always right but also i mean if he just wanted to prolong his own life and he wasn't thinking about the greater consequences his entire invention the whole thing hinges on the idea that death can take some kind of personified shape that can then be immobilized by this machine and the, like the electric ray that it shoots out. Like, yeah. so is it about, it's not about like him becoming immortal or finding some sort of like fountain youth or rejuvenate. He does actually have to physically stop whatever death is. And then 
Yeah, that's, I mean, the, the, the consequences that reverberate out from that is that if death can't do its job, nothing can die. That means the insects that are, that plague this farm are, are immune to the pesticides, so they wipe out this entire farm. That means, you know, the animals in nature won't die and go through their natural cycles, so they'll start overbreeding and taking over towns and cities. That means... Like germs and basically. Yeah, sick people infection. stay sick. Yeah, sick people will just stay sick but won't die. And presumably, like that, now the hospitals are being inundated and overcrowded by people who are in what would normally be fatal precarious, like uh, like diet, like life threatening injuries or illnesses, but can't die. And yeah, that's when the TV is just like the world just went to crap really quickly. We're all screwed. And, yeah. yeah. It's like, um, and it, well, well, it wasn't the greatest series. They did, I thought they did cover this kind of part decently well. Uh, have you ever watched Torchwood Miracle Day? I, I, I'm familiar with Torchwood. I've never seen it, no. Yeah, that was the whole premise of that Miracle Day story. It's basically the same thing. Death just stops. Mm-hmm. And so, well, and even, and again, like looking at the ways the story has been done, um, Neil Gaiman did this in one of his arcs on the Sandman. The first, um, well, it's technically the first issue, except in replace dream with death. Well, yeah, but well, but then he did it again in ah, what story? Are, I think I want to say it was like Season of Mists when he goes to get his his girlfriend out of hell, and Lucifer basically like locks the gates of hell. He's like, fine, like like he oh. basically because he felt like Morpheus ripped him off, so he's like, okay, screw you, I'm I'm quitting, and he bars the gates of hell. He like kicks everybody out, and all of these old souls basically return to return to earth and like that one yeah they're like this is kind of a problem we need hell somebody has to run this show so yeah i forgot about that one i have to go back and read sam in one of these days yeah i've never read the entire series i've read handfuls of bits and pieces but that story arc always left a left a mark on me i thought that one was great yeah, I never read the whole thing fully. I, I tried picking up when it became Vertigo, but it was too in the middle of any something already in a story already, and I was lost. And I did. I have read like the first three or four story arcs, but I just haven't had a chance to get back to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, of course Neil Gaiman did it well. I mean, yeah. how often do we say, "Oh, Neil Gaiman really botched that up"? <laughs> yeah. If it happens, I'll let you know. Yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a follow up. I, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> But yeah, so and he gets to the end, and how, like I said, he realizes the importance of death and releases death and lets it take him. But besides that now, so we are using this, like I said, we are looking at this because, well, death is one of the big characters in the Adam Warlock and Thanos stories. I mean, it's, at least in the comic version, it's Thanos' reason for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, 95% of what he does is to uh, appease death or because death has asked him to. So as we're doing these oh, Golden Age stories beforehand and seeing how much it seems like death, and a lot of the times it does seem like death. I mean, granted, if you read any of these, those Golden Age stories I covered for that, death only has like a one or two panel appearance, and it's just death laughing maniacally at something bad happening and people dying. But to me, that kind of fits in with the Marvel Universe death. I mean, this is a character that brought Thanos back because it said, there's too many people alive. We need to kill a whole bunch of them at once. <laughs> you know, I... I need more. You know, it's almost like a Doctor Doom version, a supervillain of death. It's like, I know I'm going to get everyone eventually, but I don't have enough now. I want more. (laughs) This one doesn't, at least to me, does not feel like the same death. This is more to me like going along with what we just said, the deaths from the DC, from the Endless. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. This, I mean, almost almost down to like the design. I mean, part of it, the way the way Ditko crafts this one is just like this black shape coming out of the the shadows, but wearing like like kind of. It would almost be like a skin tart, like black leotard or something. It reminds me of like a French, like Phantomus type of character, or the Shadow Thief um, mm. from DC, something along those lines. Or the, uh, obviously, the the one that should have jumped to me was um, the Shade um, from like Starman oh, yeah. or something like that. Um, you do see a little bit of his face and his hands, but just like this spindly little wraith character. It's just it's such a simplistic design, but I love it. I love how effective it is. But yeah, his his whole mannerism, his whole like. Like very, very sort of natural kind of like uh, I don't want to say human state, but he does kind of have that kind of effect. So yeah, this this does not remind me of Marvel's death the way Jim Starlin or anybody else you know before or after really conceived of that entity. Uh, this feels something very very different. Yeah, this is a death that understands its place in the system and just knows I have a place and I'm important and that's why I'm here. Not, I'm taking joy and pleasure out of doing this. Right. Almost a, a sort of functional, functionary type of thing. Yeah, I'm important. And again, like I said, that's what he Neil Gaiman does. I mean, yeah. that whole issue, was it issue eight, where we go along with death, collecting old people and infants even, and there's no joy or anything in it. It's not like death is going, ooh, you don't have a life now, ha ha. Right. Oh, I, yeah, my favorite line from, from the Sandman was uh, a guy who said, you know, I, I, I can't die right now. I didn't live long enough. I'd need more time. And death just says, you got, a, you got the same amount of time as anybody. You got a lifetime. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. The first thing, that's one of the first things I think of when death is mentioned or people say something like that. That line always stayed with me. This definitely, I would say, is not Marvel canon, so to speak. Right. <laughs> death. This is definitely a different type of death. But yeah, again, an interesting one, and I do like the, the design, and I do like the fact that he didn't go for the traditional purplish, blackish cloak with a skeleton underneath, mm-hmm. which is what everyone had been doing before that. Yeah, at least in the comics, the Marvel, the Marvel or timely comics I've been covering. I love the final panel when Death is walking the old man away, and they're kind of like going off. Once he resigns himself to, I can't do this. He, he has to shut the machine off, and and he has to die basically for the sake of putting the world back the way it needs to be, like saving everything. Uh, and just as Death is walking him to the beyond or wherever they're going, just the way the cape is sort of flowering, like flowering out um, asymmetrically. To me, it. Well, this weird it, it and again there's another dc comparison it reminds me of like a jim aparo phantom stranger like mm. type of cape flourish or something like that um which again is putting this firmly in that across the street not like marvel house style or something and maybe it's just because i don't recall steve ditko doing a lot of well dr strange but i don't think he ever i don't remember ditko ever drawing dr strange's cape necessarily like that but i don't know i, I don't recall that I don't. That doesn't sound familiar to me. I mean, I haven't read all of them, but I, from the images I remember see, can remember seeing, I don't remember anything like that. Right. It was just kind of more like a he has a cape and that's it. Yeah. You know, it allows him to fly, but it doesn't do anything special. I mean, not until the movies, at least. Right. That and the fact that Death has no like, uh, no emotional thing about him doing this. There's no anger or yeah. vengeance here. Yeah. Again, very mechanical, very functional. Just, it is what it is. So yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The last thing, like, I mean, what did you think of the the colors in this? Now, obviously, reading it on Marvel Unlimited, it's they they really kind of oh yeah, uh, you know, hands enhance the color palette. But 
I I loved it. I loved the way like the colors popped. Everything from the like the title page on this one, like the, that little thing um, with the man who captured death with three lines: this red, orange, yellow fading, and then the man himself, kind of all in green, and he's standing on a blue floor, and then the the death is just in this black in between. That whole little rainbow effect, kind of like a, or like um, God, it's like like almost like a like a Roy G. Biff thing, like kind of like a, a TV screen or something like that when the cable yeah. used to go out when that was a thing. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that part. Yeah, and I, I mean, I did notice that Death always seems to have like his own little glow, like he's the, mm-hmm. um, what is that? Oh, which one is that? That's the uh, the fire in his head. The Ghost of Christmas Past. Right, From right. A Christmas Carol, where he has his own flame that, that on, on the top of his head that like is always flickering. Mm-hmm. And Death has his own little light it's almost like he carries his own little nightlight with him. But yeah, no, the like I said, I've never obviously read this in the original. I don't have that, so I have no idea what they look, how much they change the colors. But this is definitely a time where the, the coloring redo I think worked. These colors pop. I feel like the colors go with it. Like that one page two when the guy's sitting there saying, and alone in his chair saying, "I'm so very weary," and it's just this blue, almost like nothing. This background. I mean, in fact, the stuff, the bookcase in the back is kind of like fading into the blue. Almost like there's nothing there. Like, I guess like, yeah. he is dying and like the world's going away. Yeah. And yeah, the, the man himself cast in green in a lot of, and then at the end and the last one, when on the second, second panel, that last page, when we get the close up of him looking at the TV saying, what have I done? And he's all in red and gosh, Ditko, the expression on the faces, the way he just, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's so easy to kind of like forget because of like the way you know what Jack Kirby brought to the Marvel Universe, but Ditko really did do something amazing with like the the character that he put into faces because this guy I, I thought of bald guys like okay is he sort of like the Vulture? No, he doesn't look like the way Ditko drew the Vulture or the Puppet Master or anything like that. He is something very different, very unique. Um, doesn't have a chin to speak of in that panel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's but, so yeah. much like sadness and, and weariness in that face. It's ugh. Yeah, no, I, I've said before, Kirby brought the excitement and the explosive action. Mm-hmm. And for books that like Thor or Fantastic Four, that was perfect. But Ditko is great with emotion, yeah. especially like regret or insanity. Yeah. And, Shame, guilt. Yeah, yeah. And that is perfect. For a character like Spider-Man. Right, which is a soap opera and melodrama and things like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, the main character, his whole reason for doing everything is regret. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's yeah. part of his DNA you have, as a superhero is that he regrets what he did his not taking action, and that's why he takes action. At the time, especially, yeah, no one, for the emotion like that, no one better than Dicko. Right, right. All right, well, anything else on this? No, um, I'm... I, Gosh, I, I don't know. I probably never would have read this because I'd never really had much interest in looking at the amazing adult fantasy series before before Spider-Man. But I'm glad I did. And and I'm yeah, if I'm ever bored, I might just pick up one of these and just kind of like look at some of these early Ditko and Lee, you know, kind of as we said, sort of Vertigo-esque House of Mystery yeah. style just uh, anthology stories. Because the, the, the two that I read in this issue were a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, for readers if, or listeners, if anybody wants just something like that, I mean, they, they, yeah, this was just a choice. When I read it, it takes like 30 seconds to read the story. So. Yeah, they're, they're fast. I mean, some of those silver stories can drag on. 
Some of them can, but this one. are only like five pages, but these, yeah, they, you shoot through these. So even if you like, you just read one or two stories. Yeah. You'll be done in five minutes tops. Yeah. And that's some if you take short, time. Some of them are like two pages with a title. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on this because this no. was a fun just kind of looking at the story and this was thinking about this version of death and who knows maybe this this iteration of death might make a reappearance someday. Yeah, I'll have to keep an eye out to see if anything seems similar to this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, actually, well, I'm trying to. I mean, what? God, is there is there a Marvel character who sort of looks like this one? I want to say somebody despair. It, it does look like a bit like despair. Okay, yeah. He was so. a man thing villain, but the only time I remember reading him, besides I think I, in an issue of Ohatmu, was Uncanny X Men. I want to say 144. Something like that. Okay. It's Cyclops and I think Man Thing against Despair. It's somewhere I... in that time period of around X Men, shortly after Jean Grey's death, or Phoenix's death, I should say. I'm thinking I I first met Despair in a Ghost Rider comic, but maybe I'm thinking of a different character. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, yeah, it's so. one of those mystical characters, so it's possible it could have been there too. Yeah. I just remember from the X-Men book because it was just a weird issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was somewhere around that time period, somewhere shortly after Phoenix died before he rejoined at 150. So it's in the 140s somewhere, I think. But yeah, it does. Actually, I didn't think about that. But yeah, it does look a bit like Despair. Huh. I wonder if that was something that was an influence. Never know. Hard to tell. In the mini-episode that just came out last week, I know I said we were going to jump right back into the Infinity Wars coverage. So I was wrong on that, obviously. We are not. That's going to be the next episode. Unfortunately, due to some of my frustration with dealing with the problems that we had last month with the show not being up, I really didn't get much done. And so while the new episode is almost done, not quite. And I wasn't sure if I was going to have enough time to get it done by Sunday when this episode dropped. And if that was the case, I didn't want to start being back by already being late. So we have this nice uh, fill-in episode with Brian Daly. Thank you again, Ryan. Already recorded. It was very easy to edit. Boom. Now we have something up. And that Infinity Wars episode will be up next episode. So before we finish this episode, let's do our feedback. And this time we're talking about episode 131, which was part of the Merry Marvel Marching Society crossover covering Acts of Vengeance, in which Brian joined me to cover Silver Surfer 33, which was known as Acts of Idiocy, as the Silver Surfer dealt with the problem of the Impossible Man. Post about that episode on Facebook. We got likes and shares from, well, we couldn't see because, again, those stupid Facebook privacy settings mean we can't see the people liking or sharing it anymore. Sorry. But we do have a comment from Jesse Starcher of the Source Material Podcast. You can find that on the Radalich and Broadcasting Network. Jesse said, enjoy the episode. I swear there was a DC Marvel crossover that involved both Mr. M and Impossible Man. Surface Googling found this interesting tidbit, and he put a link to a Screen Rant article about how they're claiming that Mr. Mixapivlik and the Impossible Man might be the same character. I think we discussed that in the episode, actually, and I'm pretty sure that the crossover he's thinking of, I think it's called World's Funniest, or World's Funnest, and it features both the Impossible Man and Mr. Mixapivlik. I know I bought whatever it was called. Now, going over to Twitter, we got likes and retweets from... Rolled Spine Podcast, Doc Strange, Nexus of All Realities, Adeline Rising Podcast, Coffee and Comics, The Hammer Strikes, Geeky Stuff, and Hashtag VoiceOver, 
Capes and Lunatics, Viet Huynh, Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Last Sons of Krypton, The Daily Rios, Spider-Woman Daily by Spider-Woman May 12th, Steve Sellers, Brian Z probably disagrees with you, Jason Snake Venable, Tim Price, the Podcrasher, Chris Lydon, Fan Hulls Podcast, Jeffrey Brown, parentheses day slash them, Radalichin Broadcasting, Tomes of Evil, a comic book villain podcast, Into the Night, John is Watching Cartoons, Truth, Justice, and Hope, Old Timey Lesbian, Max Reads Comics, Dave's Comic Hero Blog, Kent Byers, History of Comics on Film, Doug Larson Photo, Mark Mess Podcasts, Sean, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Dan O'Cosmic, and Trekker Talk. Now, even though the show was down for a while, hopefully you were still able to hear me every week by just going to the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed and listening to the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast, which comes out every Friday, and I am on, well, pretty much every episode. I think I've missed one, but otherwise I'm on every episode. And where we talk about the late 80s, early 90s sci-fi series from DC Comics, Legion, not the Legion of Superheroes, the one with the acronym. If you want to have your name said on this show, well, very easy. Send us an email, and I'll read the email here. Resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. You can go to our Facebook page. Just go on the Facebook search box and type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. will pop up. And maybe say something if you, if you like or share it. That way I have a way to say your name, because who knows if it's going to let me see it or not. Of course, you have a better chance of doing it on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. You can not only like and share it, you can also talk to us on there. We like talking comics. It's fun. And, of course, there's our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And finally, do not forget, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective is a group of podcasts that have got together to network in the very traditional sense of just helping each other out, sharing ideas, liking and sharing each other's episodes, etc. In fact, that little stinger that you heard at the very beginning of the show... From the podcast to Nowhere's to Fear Her, a Spider-Woman podcast, well, they're also part of the collective. Superman, Blue Beetle, Captain Marvel, Firestorm, The Crimson Avenger, Batman, Halo, Guy Gardner, The Sandman, Shadow Lass, Dollman, The Star-Spangled Kid, The Flash, The Phantom Stranger, Power Girl, Hawkman, Fury, The Challengers of the Unknown, Nightwing, The Whip, Johnny Thunder, The Suicide Squad, Deadman, The Spectre, Warlord, Amazing Man, Our Man, Adam Strange, Doctor Occult, The Doom Patrol, Captain Comet, Creeper, Green Lantern, Uncle Sam, The Guard, Batgirl, Dr. Mid-Jonah Hex, Black Con, The Manhunter, The Guardians of the Florence, Blue Devil, Dr. Fate, The Legion of Super, The Secret Origins Podcast, covering every issue of DC's Secret Origins comic from the 1980s. Hosted by Ryan Daly and a multitude of guests from the podcast and blogging community. Secret Origins Podcast. Find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. No, I'm glad I had you on for this one even more so. I didn't even, you know what, when I invited you to be on here, it was just because I realized I was actually listening to some Cheers casts. I was catching up and finishing up season three of that and got, you know, past the end where I was on. I'm like, he's had me on twice and on the Flowers and Fish, fish Nets. And it's like, I haven't had him on yet. I got to fix that. So this <laughs> is the next thing that came up. 
that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh yeah, I've been on his show before. I was like, no, actually, we talk, when we talked Gamora, that was for one of my shows. Yeah, and I realized I'm like, you know what? I haven't like I, I realized that too. Like I had the same thought. I'm like, you know what? I have to have Ryan on. So this is the next thing that popped up. It wasn't until after I reread it again and went, you know, this really fits in with like the midnight, the podcasting hour type of sh- stories he did. I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, it's even better reason to have him on. But mm-hmm. you know, you already said yes, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of shows that don't exist anymore, why don't you tell people about some shows you do that do exist still? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to hear more from me, you can find me on the Fire and Water podcast, where I host, as I mentioned, uh, Cheers Cast, which is my index show of my favorite TV sitcom, Cheers. At the time of this recording, I am starting to do the prep work to launch season four. Uh, that should be that should start in about a month or so. Uh, I also do Fire and Water Records, which is a music anthology show uh, that I host with my brother or other guests, where we talk about the entire history of a certain band, or just list our favorite songs by a certain band, or a collection of different groups based on any type of theme. Uh, the anthological format just kind of lends that up to a lot of possibilities. I also do a Batman Nightcast podcast covering Batman comics with Chris Franklin. Give Me Those Star Wars comes out every once in a while, which is just me talking about Star Wars. Uh, and yeah, you can hear some of my older podcasts, such as Secret Origins, uh, Midnight of Podcasting Hour, Power of Fishnets, things that I don't do anymore that are either on hiatus or all done and canceled. But yeah, you can find me, Fire and Water Podcast Network. Yeah, unless you get another interview with Roy Thomas. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, well, links for all his stuff, or at least the current things, and probably some of the old stuff, too, will be in the show notes. So go ahead, click on that, and check them out. And until, the, until next time, we'll be back um, Well, doing this part whenever I'm behind again, which all depends on what's on TV, probably. But it distracts me from editing something else longer. All right, bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended, or happening, or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.